Welcome to Go Beyond Fundraising, the podcast that's here to address your challenges head on. Brought to you by the combined forces of Pursuant and Allegiance Group, we're diving deep into the world of marketing and fundraising to help you overcome obstacles, unlock new opportunities, and make an even greater impact on the world. Welcome to another installment of our year-end fundraising in July series. I have an amazing panel of ladies here to talk all about digital fundraising and the role that our web and email and social media and all of the other fun digital environments play at year-end. I know this is a really potent topic, especially because when we looked back at the year in giving in 2022, we did see a dip in digital fundraising. So I I imagine that this is an area where nonprofits are probably going to be paying some extra attention this year. And as we know, all things digital continue to evolve and there's new technologies, new platforms, new strategies. So without any further ado, I'd love to introduce my speakers and get right into today's topic. Casey, I'd love to start with you since you're at the top of my screen. Who are you and what role do you play in our organization? Thanks so much, Leah. I'm really thrilled to be here today. And I agree with you. We have a rock star panel here. I'm thrilled to be joined with Ashley and Kim and yourself. So I am Casey Crawford and I lead the digital practice at Pursuant. I've been with the agency officially two years this week. So really excited to um, continue the work here. Prior to that, I sat in the nonprofit seat for a combined total of about 16 years. So most of my time um, has been spent on the nonprofit side and just really thrilled to have both sides experience because I think I have a unique perspective on, you know, year-end fundraising and what that looks like both on the organization side and on the agency side. So really excited for today's conversation. And then Ashley, how about you? I'm Ashley Lambert. I'm the VP of Account Management at Allegiance Group. And I oversee our entire account team that focuses on strategy as well as day-to-day client management. My background is digital fundraising. I have also, just like Casey, worked inside nonprofit as well as for a long time on the agency side. And I also focus on our user experience and content strategy work with our web development team. And Kim, you're joining us again, but I'd love to get a little bit of background on you in case this is some people's first time hearing your voice. Sure. I'm Kim Richardson, Associate Vice President for Client Strategy uh, with the Pursuant Group. And I've been with Pursuant, gosh, almost 11 years. So working in the agency space, I've seen a lot of calendar year-end campaigns and programs. Uh, Worked probably about four years in the nonprofit space. And then a great deal of my background is also in corporate marketing. So uh, messaging and storytelling are a big part of my uh, background. And I'm so excited I get to bring it to bear uh, in the nonprofit sector. Excellent. So grateful to have all of you ladies on today's call. So I'd love to start by getting a kind of overview of the landscape of digital fundraising at your end. Um, When we talk about digital fundraising, what are we talking about? And what are some things that nonprofits typically incorporate in their year end campaigns in the digital space? You know, I really think of digital as being the workhorse for uh, year end fundraising. Um, By the time we hit year end, direct mail has landed. And digital really is down to those final hours, really the workhorse that is bringing things over that threshold of December 31st at 12.01. And so I think digital really becomes a way for us to really think um, both strategically, but also innovatively of how we can bring together channels that are meant to work in tandem that can really, you know, either amplify what folks may have already seen in direct mail, but then also introduce something new to folks who might be digital native or digital only. And so we think of things, the channels like email, social, like you already teed us up for. Leah, and I think just really 
going into it with the mindset of how all those things can work together and how we can have, you know, some cohesion between them. I think we, you know, I think I can safely speak for those of us on the call that we don't ever think of just digital only, but more of like an integrated approach. And so, yes, digital is the workhorse, but in the spirit of integration. So I'd love to hear what what the rest of y'all think. Absolutely agree. And I think it's a lot about understanding timing. So to that point of what Case is talking about, you know, you've got your direct mail packages and they're coming into the mail or being in home in a certain time frame, and then digital maps into that. So whether you are working at an organization that truly has an integrated program or not, you can still at a baseline at least look at a calendar and try to coordinate in that way. And so, and I think there are a lot more levers when it comes to digital. So for example, there is the advertising, there are the emails, there is what's going on in your website. You know, maybe you have volunteers on the ground who are actually doing face-to-face fundraising. So I know we're talking in the spirit of digital right now, but there are a lot more nuances to the online and not just in the direct mail that can get leveraged during this time frame. And just piggybacking on what you ladies already shared, I think the one of the more exciting parts about digital is certainly we can have a longer story arc, for instance, in direct mail, but digital really helps to bring it to life and engaging more senses than just the eye, just, you know, reading something. So being able to experience video and just some of the other things, just the interactive graphics that happen in some of the emails, just the things that really are a little more engaging than uh, can be a little more s- stimulating and engaging than direct mail is um, a really cool part that digital plays. Something that I love about digital fundraising is it's just so innately flexible. With your direct mail campaigns, you spend so much time crafting them, getting everything right, carefully putting that package together and you doing your tests and sending it out there. But it's also really expensive and it's a little, it's pretty inflexible. And the beautiful thing about digital is, especially if you are an organization that has a mission surrounding things that tend to change often, like human services or international relief, you can put together a digital email campaign in a matter of a day or two and have it out there in order to really capitalize on when people are going to be most motivated to give to your cause. So it's very fast paced. It's very quick moving. um, But I think that's probably also why we love it so much. Let's get into email specifically, kind of thinking through a typical donor's experience with your nonprofit at year end. Probably the first thing that they're going to receive from you around that year end season is an email. So let's kind of go into what some of those email messages are in that year end season. What are some strategies that you can employ in your email to both support what you're doing in direct mail and to also take advantages of kind of the fluidity of what's happening in your campaign as it ticks down to 1231? Sure, I'll start. I think, first of all, just thinking about uh, year in as bigger than December. Literally, when Halloween ends on the 31st of October, it is holiday season. It is year in season. And so as organizations plan for those 61 days, just really making sure they're leveraging and first of all, walking into where consumers already are. So consumers at this point are in the holiday and traditions kind of mindset. And even if your mission doesn't necessarily align with a particular thing, what we know is that, again, it's the consumer mindset. So how do we incorporate those holiday, those traditions to tap into consumer behavior at that time of year? I think as organizations are planning, um, again, talking about that 11-1 start time prior to that, they need to be cleaning up those lists. 
and understanding, you know, kind of getting a little more integrity around the people that they're going to be sending to, to just make sure that all of that comes through in the way that it should. Thinking about segmentation, again, 61 days is a really long time. Not everybody should get all 30 of the emails that you might be sending, you know, during that time frame. So thinking about who should get what during um, some of that time. Thinking about that mix of emails, whether it's direct ask or indirect and soft passive ask or stewardship messages or alternative giving like IRA distributions. There's a lot of ways to get messages out and in ways that will be incentive for uh, donors to give. So those are just a couple of things that, I, that come to mind for me. Uh, but I know these other ladies have some great input as well. I love what you I, said about planning, Kim, because I feel like it's so relevant that we're having this conversation now because one of the best things that I like to say to our clients is don't think that you're going to pull a a year-end campaign out of the hat on November 1st. Now is the time to really start thinking about that. And with that also comes, you know, in addition to the segmentation and data considerations that Kim mentioned, gathering your stories because people give to people, not to organizations. And so what are the stories we're going to be telling at year-end? What are the assets that as an organization we need to be gathering? So, you know, who are who are our featured stories about? And what, you know, do we need images? Do we need video? What are all those assets? Now is the time we should be thinking about that. And I would also say now is also the time leading into year end is when we want to be doing, you know, if there are things we want to test specifically and isolate some variables leading into that, that way we roll into year end with some of that stuff figured out. So we're not putting too much at risk at that year end time. And then the final thing I'll say about that too is I think just making sure as we're going into year end that we've thought through specifically, you know, like Kim already mentioned, that constituent experience. So when are we also going to give folks a chance to rest? And when are we going to rest the file? And building out a communications calendar that thinks about that and also thinks about the type of content that we're putting out there and making sure that it's accessible and consumable by all of our constituencies. So how have we optimized our messages? How have we optimized our graphics to make sure that everything's accessible, that we're leading with mobile first? Things like that all go into that planning session. So now's the time to really be digging into that. And if you haven't already, just to make sure that that's included in your planning. When you think back on an organization that you feel has done it really well or a message that has resonated with you, it probably resonates because you saw a certain cadence of communications and that that was done very intentionally in order for you to have that response. And those are the organizations where you know they're succeeding in that effort. And so I think part of that planning of that content planning, like you were talking about the stories and the images, and certainly, again, if you've got a direct mail campaign and digital campaign, you're probably coordinating that, which is really good. But in the digital space, then you have room to leverage even more of those. So if there are multiple story threads you want to feature, whether it's video or imagery or you know snippets like quotes or whatever, I think that's a really... Through digital, that's a really good way to do that. Again, whether that's through your paid advertising or in your email, but thinking more around the cadence of, and Kim mentioned it earlier, what's that arc? So starting with the, you know, whether it's gratitude, thanking the supporters, featuring the stories, talking about your impact, and then getting to the fundraising. So I think that that's something else is that people, they get into that consumer mindset, which is absolutely true because it is the holiday season, but we have to, butter them up first. You know, we have to sort of make it sweet and really talk about the impact. And I think that that's sometimes that falls to the back because people think, oh, I just need to fundraise. 
or they don't ask at all. And they only talk about the mission and then they don't ask for the fundraising. So it has to be a fine balance. And so planning your communications up front where you're sort of sandwiching with stories and impact and gratitude and then the asks. And then again, at the end, talking about the impact and saying thank you again. Also, I think because it is such a critical time of year, we know that many of our organizations will use like challenge gifts and or matching gifts and that sort of thing. So that's a that's also a real critical element to kind of creating that urgency because from a donor standpoint, yes, a lot of people like want to give by the, you know, by 1231 because there's tax implications with that, but we've got to give them a, a greater reason for the urgency as to why they need to act now. And let's avoid the buzzkill of because we need to meet our budget. So do consumers. I mean, especially when we think about these inflationary times, everybody needs to meet their budget. So what are the things that won't happen if you don't finish the year hitting the goal? Who are the people who won't be served? Or, you know, whatever your mission is, making sure that those messages really hit the mission and are not about operations. Because, yeah, donors care, but not really. So we want to really make sure that we are tagging into the kind of communication messages that donors care about. That message, Kim, since you mentioned that, I think it also depends on the donor segment. So for example, if you're talking, again, like major donors, it might not be online communications that they're getting, but maybe there's a different message for them or a different for your mid-level compared to your smaller one-time donors. And that applies across channels, but especially in digital, you have the way of really tailoring to that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the perfect thing for organizations to be testing and then figuring out which message resonates because, you know, some maybe like a tax deductible type of message will work and others, it's really more about the mission, depending on the time frame that you're talking to them. I think you're, all of you are hitting on something that I also find really compelling about digital as opposed to direct mail is the ability to have many different kinds of calls to action. You know, with, with direct mail, the call to action is going to be pretty basic. It's either going to be respond to this letter or this message and, you know, give a gift. But online, you can have many other types of ways for people to engage. You can have some kind of message board where people can go and post things. If you're going to be collecting some of those like testimonials or year-end assets, you can simply have the call to action to be watch a message about gratitude or just get more information. And so that's something that I find really interesting and compelling about year-end fundraising and and digital is that ability to be able to have such a wide variety of calls to actions as you send those messages out. But moving on to kind of the next step. So we've talked about email. We've talked a little bit about advertising, but that next layer that folks are going to be hitting at year-end is your website or a landing page. And so this is where we can get into some really juicy conversations around accessibility and like web design and user experience. And I wish we had like more time to go into all of those details, but at kind of a high level, and Ashley, I'd love to start with you because you're one of our our wonderful experts in user experience. What are some just general things nonprofits need to be thinking about when they are designing those landing pages and those calls to actions on their homepage at your end to really make sure that that workflow is super streamlined and we're taking donors exactly straight to the action we want them to take? think that that there would be some sort of magic sauce. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, when you're talking about don't anybody, right? So accessibility, whether it's in an email or whether it's on a landing page or just on a website in general, it's really about the ease of finding the information. So for example, 
through an email or through an ad, if you're coming to a donation form or any other landing page, you want it to just have that one piece of information on it. And you want it to be very easy for people to fill out. Or what Casey mentioned earlier, is it mobile first? Can people really make sure that if they're scrolling on their phones, it's easy to read and they can, they can easily click buttons, things like that. So there's all that technical work that goes into making sure that those pages can function that way. If you, as an organization, were at least going to look at your pages and could go through it and try it with that mindset, you might easily find things that you would say, oh, this really isn't as easy, or the font is hard to read, or it's not big enough, or the colors, you know, there's different types, right, for colorblindness, all, all kinds of things for accessibility. So I think just taking that first stab at like, when I get to this page, what is it saying to me? And is it actually accomplishing the goal of the very one thing that I wanted them to do? Because if it doesn't, then that's it. So one action. And then I think similarly, if you're talking just about the website in general, it's about that ease to get to the information. So how prominent is my donate button? Or you know, do I have something else on my homepage that, that talks about donating? Or if I'm bringing people into a page that has information like an article, is there something else in that page or a, you know, sort of like a pop-up, something that will drive me to whatever that other action is. So it really depends on which way they're coming in to get the information. But especially during a campaign at year-end timeframe, no matter what, you want to have something on your website, something on the homepage, maybe something on the most prominent sub-pages that people would go to for information so that people are aware that you're doing the fundraising. Because no matter what, you want to put that ask in front of them. And I feel like that's just a best practice in general. I think something you said, Ashley, also um, just reminded me of, we've spent a lot of time over the past years talking about like a frictionless constituent experience, but I think sometimes there can be meaningful friction. So as folks are navigating through the website, like making sure if we are going to create a friction moment in that experience, that it's something meaningful like that pop-up, like that reminder that says, hey, you're about to leave this page, but did you really want to do that? giving folks another chance to recognize the fact that we're all human. We're humans that are using technology. The technology is not driving what we're doing. And so giving folks that second chance to kind of re-engage or make sure that they were sure about what they were doing. Some of those cues can be really meaningful friction, especially in a year-end time when people are, you know, potentially racing against the clock to get their donation in on time and things like that. So um, it just triggered my, my thought on that. But I agree with you. I think just really thinking through, you know, what are the things on your website? How are the multiple doors? You know, folks tend to think of the homepage as the only way in, but folks are deep in that site. So thinking about all the different types of folks that are getting there and making sure that um, they get to where they need. What also do you ladies think about things like the speed of loading pages loading and things like having those alternative ways to give? Like we know that Gen Z and some of our younger donors are using some of the outlets like PayPal and Cash App and Zelle and all those other types of things, you know, just having some more actual options for the way that donors can give, I think are also good things to think about. There was another site I saw that they had a plugin that in real time were showing you that people were donating. So it may have popped up and said, Kim R just gave $50 to where it needed most. And, you know, KCC just gave $100 to our Cambodia outreach. So where that opportunity exists to do those types of interactive things or things that are on the website that really catch your eye, I think those are also um, neat things to sort of add into it. 
And, and I love what Ashley said about just really testing out your website yourself. It's so amazing how many um, of our organizations don't actually do that. So they don't really understand what the user is, experience is for their donors. So that's a really, really good point. I think you just highlighted something, Kim, because I think a lot of the people we're talking to, there always is a little bit of this tension and co-ownership of the website, sometimes by development and marketing and communications and you know, development kind of holds year-end fundraising dear, but then there's also other folks internally that you have to work with. And so I think, you know, back to the things we've been talking about, about planning, syncing up your internal teams and kind of aligning on the decision-making process and on, you know, some of that territorialness that can start to happen. I mean, every organization has it to some degree. And so just owning that and realizing who are all the folks you need to bring to the table to have that conversation for that year-end timeframe. How are we going to make sure that real estate is given on the homepage and elsewhere for year-end fundraising? How are we going to make sure that we're able to clear that pathway um, and make it as direct as possible? There's there's some internal negotiating sometimes that needs to happen there. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And I also think from that experience standpoint, is not a set it and forget it because nothing's worse than having a donor contact the organization said, I've been trying to give for the last 15 minutes and XYZ is happening. That's somebody that really cared about giving to you, but how many people abandoned because it was so difficult? And now your gift has gone to one of their other charities of choice. So it's not something that, certainly it's something you do up front, but somebody also should be periodically making sure that that functionality is still there so that uh, gifts aren't missed during that critical time period. That's true. And I think to that point of the coordination, right? I mean, technology is where we want everything to work, but that's exactly right. You know, on the 31st, making sure that all of your forms still work, all of your ads are still running, right? Like having your team members go and check, make sure the emails have deployed, the audience segment sizes look correct. Those are all really critical checkpoints to make sure that the campaign's running smoothly. But don't forget about your customer service team or your call center or whoever it is, right? To that exact point of, hey, they couldn't make this gift. Oh, here's how they can navigate to the special page that's just about the match or whatever it is. So that's where the intersection comes to that point of it's not just about digital, even though that's what we're talking about right now, to digital tactics, but it's it's really about the entire circle because that channel, the offline channel needs to know what the online channel is doing and how to direct people if they can't make that gift. I love the points that you brought in. And I think right now as nonprofits are starting to think about their communication calendar and think about the timeline of how everything should happen, making sure that they also build in checkpoints and things to say, okay, on this day, we're going to make sure that the forms get tested or that we're checking the back end to make sure everything's going through. And like just really sitting down and thinking through what are all the small steps that we need to break down and put a process in place for to make sure that it doesn't get overlooked. So many more things we could go into there, but we've only got time, I think, for one more question before uh, we're at the top of our time. Uh, And I'd love to just spend just a little bit of time about social media. Again, this could be its own episode, and maybe if we want to come back to it, we can. But what is the role that social media should play at year end, and should it play at year end? You know, is is it a given that social media should be something that you incorporate at year end? Just love to get your thoughts there. It is. But again, I think it's in tandem with everything else, right? You know, if you've got certain stories that you're featuring or you're really putting messages of impact or asking people to share their stories, whatever it is, whatever the call to action is that's engagement in addition to fundraising. So 
I think it's a blend of both things. And I think that that needs to be considered as part of the overall communication calendar and in the planning. I would agree with that, Ashley. And I would also say that when we talk about social too, like there's multiple sides of social too. So I think we need to be mindful of, you know, there's paid social, which has a role to play. And then there's organic social, which I think some folks forget. Like if you're doing paid social, it's not at the expense of organic. It's in what Ashley said, it's in partnership with organic, you know, organic and paid working together with email, with web, with, with all of these things. And I think just being really intentional about what you're putting out there. And I think one of the things that we've seen be really effective, especially when thinking about fundraising, you know, in organic social, when we're putting paid social out there, we usually have a fundraising goal. It's tied to a specific ask. With organic, I think setting a very specific goal of what you want your followers to help you achieve can be really effective. So that might be part of the match, or it might be a number of donors, or it might be, you know, just thinking about how you're going to leverage each channel for what it's really good at. Social is all about the community there. So really building on that community aspect and tailoring the ask to be a community-driven ask, I think can be really impactful, especially when you're trying to bring organic social into the mix of advertising and other things that you're doing. But I agree with Ashley wholeheartedly. It can't just be, you can't just drop in with a fundraising ask at year end and expect that your community is all of a sudden going to give. That's something that you build into. You cultivate that behavior and you cultivate them with other forms of content that social is really good at leveraging that kind of work with the algorithms to serve up the content that you know will get um, in front of your people. And then, of course, making sure that it's cohesive with, with what you have in paid advertising. So when your folks are seeing both, there's there's a you know there's a thread that's connecting those. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, say, three things that you want your social to do at year end, um, particularly that organic social, you want it to probably educate and inform in some way about your mission, you may want it to then engage. So what are the questions actually that you can put out there where people have to respond? Like, tell me about how, what is the most important thing that uh, takes place during your holiday celebration or something that engages the donor? And then the final thing is to, you know, possibly give through that and share the content as well. So really thinking strategically about how you want to actually utilize that tool, because social is a tool, another tool in your toolbox um, to actually bring to bear the kind of messages you want to get to your donors during that time. Absolutely. I love the overall message of think about what each digital channel that you're going to be leveraging is best at mm-hmm. and use that capability to its fullest in the type of communication that you're putting in there. Um, well, I know there's so many more things we could have gone into in this conversation. Um, I think we've just scratched the surface, but I want to thank all of you for a little bit of your time today. And I'm sure that folks are going to have a lot of ideas coming out of this conversation. So once again, thank you for sharing some of your thoughts with us today. Thanks. Thanks.